0: And welcome to the Golden Wheel Tavern. I'm surprised to see you. The word going around is that bandit activity is at an all-time high. Apparently carriages and caravans are being stopped left and right along some of the main roads into town. Even the less known routes aren't safe. Gods know I've seen my fair share of poor sods who just had everything taken away from them walk through those doors today. I'm always willing to help a poor soul with a hot meal, a place to stay, and maybe get them in touch with someone who can help. You need to be able to defend yourself out there, and I'm going to teach you how. We're going to discuss combat today. Combat is a huge part of the world. Some may say it is even the most important part. For some people, it's all they care about. I personally think the people and the interactions with them are what make the world so interesting, but everyone has their own way of drawing enjoyment from this world. Combat is chaotic, unless well planned. Tiring, unless dealt with swiftly. Deadly, unless the party overpowers the threat. And thrilling. When combat begins, it can seem like time slows to a halt. Every participant in combat will take their time within a six-second span, called a round. This round is broken down into each participating member's turn. It is on their turn that a participant can attack, cast a spell, or a myriad of other options we'll cover. The order in which the participants take their turn is determined at the start of the encounter through initiative rolls. When a participant rolls their initiative, they make a dexterity check, meaning they take their roll and add their dexterity modifier to it. There are a few abilities that may add to this check, since it technically is an ability check. An example is the Bard's Jack of All Trades ability. Since this ability adds half their proficiency bonus to all ability checks they make that they don't have proficiency in, and one cannot gain proficiency in initiative checks, this applies to their initiative rolls. When everyone rolls their initiative, similar combatants controlled by the DM may just take one roll for that group. For example, if a party is up against three lions, a tiger, and two bears, Oh my, the DM could roll initiative thrice, one for each kind of enemy the party is up against. If there are any ties between opponents of the party, the DM decides which way it goes, and the players can decide who goes first in a tie among the characters. If there is a tie between an opponent and a party member, the DM has the option to choose, or they can roll a d20 and have the player do the same, with whoever rolls higher winning and going first. A common house rule for determining tie is to simply use whoever has the higher dexterity score and have them win the tie. Since the DM decides who wins ties, as do the players when they tie among themselves, if everyone agrees to use this method to break ties, it's actually not a house rule. Once all the initiatives are rolled. All participants are placed in order from highest to lowest and the round starts, with the person at the top of the initiative taking their turn first. On a combatant's turn, they have a few things they can do. They can move a distance up to their speed, or their greatest speed if they have more than one speed, such as a combatant with both a walk and fly speed. They can take their action and a bonus action if they have one, And they regain their reaction at the start of their turn. When a combatant uses their action, there are a myriad of options for them to do. A typical attack with a weapon is going to be an action, and many spells that can be used in combat take an action to cast as well. Of course, attacking and spellcasting are the most common actions, but they are far from the only ones. Some examples include activating a magic item, drinking a potion, using a scroll, interacting with particularly complex items in the environment, such as turning a crank, and there are some actions that have special effects. If a combatant uses the dash action, they add to their speed a number equal to their current speed with all modifiers included, effectively doubling it. This does include any speed reductions though, meaning if a character with a speed of 30 has had their speed reduced to 15, the dash action only adds 15. If a combatant uses the dodge action, they become entirely focused on avoiding attacks. Whenever an attack roll is made against them until the start of their next turn, those rolls have disadvantage. The combatant who took the dodge action also gets advantage on dexterity saving throws until the start of their next turn. The help action is pretty much what it sounds like. A combatant helps their partner, either giving them advantage on their next ability check they make before the start of the combatant's turn, or the combatant can help an ally by distracting an enemy within 5 feet of themselves giving their ally advantage on the first attack made after the help action is taken, but before the combatant's next turn. When a combatant takes the hide action, they make a stealth check using their dexterity. If this check is above the passive perception of their enemy, and the combatant cannot be seen by the enemy they are hiding from, they gain advantage on attacks against that enemy. Attacking gives away location even if it misses though, meaning only one attack will typically benefit from this. Even so, it is a very useful action. The ready action is also very useful, allowing a combatant to prepare a response. A combatant can take the time to describe a perceivable trigger and describe whether they will take an action, and what action, or move up to their speed in response to the event occurring. Immediately after the trigger occurs, the combatant may decide to take their predetermined action or movement, or they may decide to ignore it. For example, a fighter can ready an attack, such that if a goblin steps within melee range of the fighter, the fighter can use their reaction to make an attack against the goblin. A rogue might ready themselves such that if a foe comes within 10 feet of them, they move up to their full speed away from the incoming threat. A spellcaster may ready a spell, casting it and then holding it until the trigger occurs. This takes concentration though, which means it can be broken with damage, and they must drop concentration on any other concentration spell they have active. If the trigger they chose does not occur, or they ignore all valid triggers, the spell fizzles with no effect, and they lose the spell slot they use to cast the spell without the spell doing anything. A combatant can use their action to search, looking around trying to find something, and the DM, depending on what they are looking for, may have them make a perception check using their wisdom or an investigation check using their intelligence. Bonus actions are very interesting, as they are earned, rather than just available to everyone. Typically, certain conditions must be met for a bonus action to be available, and only certain abilities grant bonus actions at all. Some spells have a casting time of a bonus action, which allows them to be cast alongside using an action. But if a spell is cast as a bonus action, or a spellcaster wishes to cast a bonus action spell after their action, the only spells they can cast are cantrips with a casting time of one action. Some other examples of bonus actions include a rogue's cunning action, allowing them to dash, hide, or disengage as a bonus action. Path of the Berserker barbarians can enter into a frenzy, granting them a single melee attack as a bonus action on each of their turns until their rage ends, and then they gain a point of exhaustion. Bonus actions are highly specialized, but very useful, usually adding efficiency to the combatant's turn. Reactions are very specific and must have a trigger. A combatant gets one reaction per each of their turns, and an unused reaction is wasted, meaning a combatant only has one reaction available at a time. We've already discussed the ready action, which uses a reaction to activate once the trigger has been met. Another reaction that all creatures get is attacks of opportunity. This reaction allows a combatant to make an attack against any creature that moves from within their melee attack range to outside of it possibly hitting them just as they leave the attacker's range. A combatant can avoid taking attacks of opportunity by taking the disengage action before moving. This action allows a creature to move freely without provoking attacks of opportunity. This does not, however, prevent a readied attack action and any other reaction trigger, and there are even effects which negate the disengage action. Some spells take a reaction as well, such as the spell Shield, which grants a temporary bonus to the user's AC until their next turn, the trigger being that they are attacked. If a spellcaster uses a bonus action to cast a spell, they cannot use their reaction on a spell should the trigger be met that turn due to the restriction that the only spell that can be cast other than the bonus action spell is a cantrip with a casting time of one action. There are some reactions unique to races or classes, such as a College of Swords bard who, after using their mobile flourish, can use their reaction to close the distance between them and the creature that they just moved. One last thing to cover in this Basics of Combat is attack rolls. Attack rolls are fairly straightforward for the most part. If a combatant is casting a spell that requires an attack roll against a creature, they will roll a d20, and then add their spell casting modifier and proficiency bonus to the roll. If this number is greater than or equal to the target's AC, the attack hits and deals damage. If the number rolled on the d20 is a 1, it misses, regardless of AC, and a 20 on the d20 always hits and is a critical hit meaning twice the number of dice are rolled to determine damage these same effects also apply to attacks with weapons both melee and ranged if a creature makes an attack with a weapon they take the relevant ability score usually strength for melee and dex for range but there are exceptions for both and add it to the d20 roll alongside their proficiency bonus If they are proficient with the weapon they are using. The damage for these attacks is the damage dice presented in the weapon's description plus the ability score used for the attack. If someone is wielding two light weapons, they can make a bonus action attack with their offhand weapon, but they do not add their ability score to the damage of that attack. If a combatant is using a ranged attack against a creature, while an enemy is within 5 feet of them, they have disadvantage on that attack. Combat in D&D can be intense, diverse, and full of split-second decision-making. It can also get bogged down by combatants not knowing what they want to do when their turn comes around. A word of advice, always try to have a turn planned ahead. It speeds up combat and makes it more enjoyable for everyone. I think that's all I can give you for a rundown on combat right now. There's a few more advanced techniques and options. There are even some you may only find in more lax places in regards to their rules of combat. We'll discuss that at a later date. For now, you should probably go and practice some of the new skills you heard about today. Who knows? It might save your life when a few bandits decide to sort around your wagon. Until next time, I'd like to thank you for listening, and I ask you to rate us highly on whatever channel you're using to listen. If you want to follow this on Twitter, check out at the Tavern Keep, and tweet about us using hashtag Tavern If you want to support this project, other than sharing it on social media, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Tavern Guide. I'm Ryan, and this has been the Tavern Keeps Guide. Thank you, and make sure to tip the bar, mates.